When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hi, I'm Alan Sepinwall. I'm the chief TV critic for Rolling Stone, which is a fancy way of saying that I watch TV for a living. But there are so many TV shows being made now that even I can't watch all the ones I want to. But what if you didn't have to binge an entire series? What if you just looked at the very first episode of a show you'd never seen, and then the very last? Would you feel like you'd gotten the complete experience, or would you be completely lost at the end? Well, there's only one way to find out. Welcome to a new episode of Too Long, Didn't Watch. As our guest today, we are very lucky to have with us an actor whom you know from One Tree Hill, Chicago PD. She is currently on Hulu's Love, Victor, and she is the host of her own podcast, Work in Progress. Sophia Bush, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this, Alan. A lot of time when I talk to actors, they say they don't watch a lot of TV either because they're just too busy making TV or because they find it kind of uncomfortable because they know how the sausage is made. Before we got into this quarantine, were you much of a TV watcher? I love TV. I love it. I love making it. I love watching it. I find for some reason that I always think I don't have time to watch a movie and then I'll start watching a show and four hours later and four episodes later, I could have watched two movies, but (laughs) here we are. Uh, I make the time for TV, apparently. So what kind of things do you generally like to watch? Oh my gosh, so many things across the board. I'm obsessed with the new show Home on Apple. It's a design show that is amazing. I've been watching Blue Planet. I went back and rewatched the first season of Grey's Anatomy, which, by the way, still cuts so (laughs) deep. Now, has the quarantine changed the kinds of shows you watch at all? I mean, I made sure to watch the Explained episode on pandemics when this all started. (laughs) That's good. And I was like, oh, okay, no, everyone just knew this was going to happen. Great. Cool. Awesome. Um, I don't really think it's changed the way that I watch TV. I'm really trying to crack into my reading list. I've had this book stack that's just been tormenting me for a while. I'm trying to not watch as much TV as I want to (laughs) so that I do some other things. But I don't know. Some days I just need to sit and stare at the screen and unwind a little. All right, so what show are we going to watch today? I can't believe I'm going to say this. This really makes me feel vulnerable because it's one of the things I can't believe I've never seen. But we're going to watch Parks and Rec. All right, so why have you never seen Parks and Rec? What <laughs> happened? Okay, what went wrong? In, in my defense, everybody was getting into Parks and Rec. I was just working untenable hours. And... It wasn't exactly the headspace I needed to be in for the show that I was working on at the time when it came out. It, you know, it's funny and it's light. And, and I had one of those things where I thought, well, the next time I get sick, like if I get bronchitis or I get the flu, I'll just binge it. And then 
I came home to LA on a hiatus and my roommate at the time was watching it. And I remember coming into the den and seeing like 10 minutes of, I don't even know what was going on. And I was like, God, this is funny. And I have to get away from you because you're not starting at the beginning. <laughs> so then every time she was watching Parks and Rec, I would hide or go do something else. And and then it became a thing I had to actively avoid. And I mean, knock on wood, this is a strange time to be saying this, but I just, I haven't been sick like that in a while. And I don't know. It, it's one of those things that it, like, it's my version of the 40 year old virgin. Like I've saved it for so long. I don't know when, <laughs> I don't know when to give it up. So here we are. And I've, managed to never see it and my face is very hot i'm kind of embarrassed it's okay it's real. it's <laughs> we're all busy people you should never feel shame about the tv you don't watch and even most of the tv you do watch this is a judgment-free zone okay i really appreciate that i'm judging myself though so what do you know about the show like what do you think it's about um i mean i know it's about a team of people who work in the parks department <laughs> Yes. Uh, I know that Amy Poehler is a national treasure, as is Nick Offerman. I know there's hilarious storylines with Aziz Ansari and Rob Lowe and Mindy Kaling's on it for a while, isn't she? No, no. The, Mindy Kaling the was on time? The Office. I don't know why I felt like there was a, a splash that she showed up and did something there, but maybe not. It might just be wishful thinking. They had a lot of notable guest stars over the years, um, okay. for sure. So before we, we go into this crazy experiment, here is what I can tell you about the show. Ran for seven seasons on NBC from 2009 to 2015. It was uh -huh. originally supposed to be a spinoff of The Office. And then Greg Daniels and Mike Schur, who had worked on The Office together, decided, no, we don't want to do that. Uh, so they made a new comedy with new characters set mm. in and around the parks department of a small Indiana city called Pawnee. It was a vehicle for National Treasure Amy Poehler, and it made stars of virtually everyone else in the cast. Chris Pratt was unknown before this. Nick Offerman, who you mentioned, was unknown before this. Aubrey Plaza, Aziz Ansari, was not hugely known before this. And they all became huge as a result of it, even though the show itself, weirdly, was never a big hit. So let's head back to the American Midwest at the dawn of the Obama administration. We'll see what the show's all about. You ready? Yes. Oh, my God. And I miss Obama. <laughs> okay, let's go. Whew. God, is it so weird that I know this theme song? It's a great theme song. It's no! There's a drunk stuck in the slide. <laughs> it's a great time to be a woman in politics. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. That's killing People me. Are members of community that care <laughs> so about optimistic. So what I hear when I'm being yelled at is people caring loudly at me. <laughs> now, caring loudly. Anyone else hi. who would like to contribute? Hi, hi. hi. I'm Ann Perkins. Uh, no. It sounds like you're telling me to go for <laughs> it. There's no way it can happen. I can do this. I just need a little help. <laughs> Could you do me a favor? She believes. For old time's sake. I really appreciate her steadfast commitment. When I visited the bottom of the pit on a fact-finding mission. When I visited the bottom. Uh. She she finds a way to look at the positive side of things. I want you to give lot 48 to Leslie so she can try to build a park. Wow. Or should I? You owe me a one. A hero. Do you want to cash Mark Brent Anowitz being heroic, yes. Yeah. Who knew? Ron's approved our committee. Wow. Thank you. I'm so excited. It's exciting. The it? payoff for yeah, his kindness and the vibe is so good because he was so icy at first. Yep. I love the turnaround. Plastered. Woo! So, old sister, gonna get you 
phone system, yeah. sweet lady mama Marmalard. Wow. <laughs> so that is the Parks and Rec pilot. What'd you think? God, I just love it so much. It's so, so good. I love it. I just really love it. What did you love about it? It's funny because there's there's a lot of, what would you call it, kind of awkward humor that actually makes me feel incredibly anxious. Like, there are classic Adam Sandler movies that I can't handle watching because they just make me feel so stressed out. And I always get a little nervous with situational comedy. I'm like, how anxious am I going to be when all these people are just making a mess? And I had the opposite feeling the entire time we watched that, which was so fun. Well, like, that's great. It's, it's just genuinely hilarious. And her, her optimism, to your point, is devastating. And I loved that one of the things I can't stop thinking about was in the beginning at the city council meeting or the town hall or whatever they were calling it. When Rashida gets up and just keeps getting applause, Amy Poehler is like vibrating with this mixture of respect and jealousy that is so good. And you see how badly she wants to be the one who people want to clap for. And she's she's just like, we're going to do this insane thing. So for the benefit of the people who have not just watched this pilot, what happened in it? How would you sum it up? Oh, um, okay. Well, Leslie Nope a.k.a. Amy Poehler, who we've already established as a national treasure, works at the Parks and Rec Department, and her office is just a cast of hilarious characters. Um, Nick Offerman, who I, he's her boss in some way, right? Yeah, he's the director yeah. and she's the deputy okay. director. That's what it is. So she works as last nerve, but you can also tell he kind of adores her but would never admit that to anyone, probably even at gunpoint. Um, Aubrey Plaza plays the intern who's nonplussed. Uh, Aziz is Leslie's right-hand man, and I can't figure out what's wrong with him <laughs> the way he behaves, but it's great. Um, oh, God, what's the, the name of the guy in the other part of the department who she slept with? Who is, what is Mark his name? Mark Brandanowitz. Brandanowitz. My God, that is such a good, classic Midwestern. Yeah, he's he's perfect. He's just like, I feel like he was on the football team or the basketball team and everybody always loved him. And I can hear people cheering his name in high school. Yeah, everybody's great. This is really, really well done. Oh, and then Rashida, obviously, as we mentioned, she plays uh, one of the people who lives in town. She's a nurse. She has a vested interest in this pit. Chris Pratt is her terribly obnoxious boyfriend. I can't wait to see where he goes. It's a great cast of characters. All right, so what what is the basic plot of the episode, though? So the, the basic plot of the episode is that Leslie Nope is an optimist in government who who responds to a problem, namely this open pit uh, on land that now belongs to the government because it was a developer's property and they ran out of money. And she decides, rather than just filling it in, that she wants to build a brand new park. And this is a very big deal, especially because her boss doesn't believe in government oversight, which is ironic since he works for the government. And she's a dog with a bone. She's not going to let it go. And she recruits, albeit reluctantly, everyone in her office to join a committee to work on this project. And miraculously, or perhaps because of her optimistic determination, gets her way in the end. So like I said before, this was originally the idea was it was going to be an Office spinoff. Have you watched The Office? Yes. Okay, did this feel like The Office to you? I mean, yeah, there's a lot of similarities, the kind of docu-follow feeling and the humor, but it... <laughs> she's 
I believe more in her. Like Steve Carell was kind of a buffoon in the best way. But Leslie is, I don't know, I feel like she has her shit more together. That was the big debate about the show in this first season. And we'll talk about that more after we've seen the finale about Mm. whether the show thought she was ridiculous or aspirational. And it sounds like you found her aspirational. Yeah, while being ridiculous. Yes, Which I think is perfect. You know, she's so silly, but... I believe her. She holds two things to be true that normally you see someone decide they're going to either be jealous in this moment or they're going to be impressed or they're going to whatever. And she manages to be both and, which is such a classic tenet also of the comedy scene that she came up in. You know, when when you work, um, I think about all the places in Chicago, the improv theaters, and, and that's always the rule. It's both and. And I really, really enjoy watching the way she navigates the space of this show. Was there any supporting character who particularly stood out to you in this one? I mean, I just, I love Nick Offerman so much that I want him on screen all the time. I also would really like to have a conversation with him about woodworking. Do you know that he builds furniture? He does, yes. Um, Yeah. And and that wound up being worked into the show as well. He's basically a superhero in real life. Yes. God, he's so cool. I I once asked him how to fix a kitchen cabinet, and he instantly knew what I needed to do. The practical skills. He must be thriving in the pandemic. I would really like for them to start some sort of a show from their home during this. Now, as someone who is very politically active, how did you feel about this show's presentation of government, even on a small scale in this episode? Honestly, I feel like it's pretty accurate, granted, in the realm of comedy, but You do. You always have people in government who are jaded, who are kind of over it, uh, who don't necessarily want to be there. And then you have people who are so excited to be there and who believe that they have the power from whatever their relative, you know, position is on the ladder to affect change, to inspire people, to remind them that this stuff matters. You know, even Brandanowitz essentially said that he lost his will to try to make change in two months and that Leslie's held on to it for six years. And I, re- I really think that those things are true. You know, some people just believe in the opportunity and, and some people I think get jaded by bureaucracy and I liked it. Yeah, I mean, definitely your most vocal reaction to the pilot is in the moment when Brandanowitz decides he, he has been inspired by Leslie and he calls in the favor with Ron to get the committee yeah. started. I loved that. I was not prepared for him to show up and be the good guy. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) And also in that moment, I realized he may adore her. Cute. Let's talk about that because there's there's one relationship that's established in this episode, and that's Anne and Andy dating, and he does not seem like a good guy. And there's Mm -hmm. at least some sort of sexual history between Leslie and Brandanowitz. Based just on having seen these episodes, would you expect either of these relationships to wind up being important over the run of the show? It's so hard because I know that Chris Pratt stays on the show for so long, so obviously he becomes important. I don't know if it's in the context of his relationship with Rashida's character or not, but no, just as a viewer of that 21 minutes of pure gold, I would say they're a very (laughs) ill-fated team. Okay. Uh, But who knows? Maybe he gets it together and becomes a great partner. Uh, I have a hunch, no. Uh, I feel like they're hinting at some exploration between Leslie and Brandanowitz. I don't know that it's going to go the distance, 
considering he forgot that he slept with her once. But (laughs) who knows? Maybe the second time will be more memorable. In general, where would you expect the story to go from here? I think there's going to be some serious hiccups in getting this park built. And I'm curious, is the park going to be Leslie's white whale? Like, is she still going to be trying to complete this project in season five? While, of course, there's other things going on and other other projects in town, I'm sure. You know, this is a monster thing she's talking about doing. So I I don't assume that it's going to be done by the end of season one. Do you assume it will be done by the end of the show? I mean, maybe, oh, wouldn't it be cute if the finale of the show was this park finally opening? Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to find that out shortly. Okay. Um, all right. So based just on your first impression of seeing this episode, is there a character you would want to be able to play? Oh, man. I mean, it's probably so fun to play Leslie Nope, but like, I don't want to try to step in Amy Poehler's shoes ever. <laughs> I would just want to be on set with her. So I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I'd, I would have been very game to play Anne. I would have been very game. Uh, <laughs> and also, like, who could replace Aubrey Plaza's resting bitch face? She's so good at it. But that would have also been really fun. Like, that's a great character to get to go to work and inhabit every day. Um, so, yeah, I'd be game. I imagine your April would have had a different field than the way Aubrey plays her, though. Yeah, I mean, Aubrey's so singular and amazing. <laughs> Very, the understatement between her and Nick Offerman, it's it's almost like a singularity in terms of just who can go smaller. It's really incredible. Is there a character on the show you could see one of your former co-stars playing? Yeah, oh my God. I got to work with Alan Leach, uh, who you probably know from Downton Abbey. Yes. He is so talented, it's crazy, but I don't think people understand how funny he is. Like when I tell you I have actually cried real tears from my face because Alan has made me laugh so hard, he would crush playing Andy. Like crush it. <laughs> I, what I would give, oh my God. Yeah, it would be amazing. Do you see any parallels between the world of this show and its themes and any of the other projects you've worked on in the past? That feels like a stretch. I'm like, I'm like, how could I draw a parallel between Leslie Nope being determined and Brooke Davis creating a business? But they're such different people. But like, honestly, I think if Brooke Davis met Leslie Nope, she would love her. That's great. So the last one before we move on to the finale. Okay. Would it surprise you to learn that this episode and the first season of the show in general, even by people who tend to adore the show, is not very fondly remembered here's the thing that feels to me like weird hype expectation and crankiness because everyone was expecting it to be the office continued like people really it's such a weird thing that we do and i don't know why we're like this we love to be obsessed with something and then be terrible to anything that comes out of it or, you know, we love a show. And then if it gets an extra season, people are always complaining like, Oh, they should have quit while they're ahead. Just be happy that you're getting the content. So I think I feel a little bit defensive already on behalf of Parks and Rec. (laughs) That's (laughs) great. Retroactively that, that people were like, well, it's not the office. And it's like, everybody just relax. This is hilarious. Enjoy it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, are you ready? We're going to yes. watch the premiere. We're going to jump all the way to the end. You're not going to have any yes. information on what happened in between. Yeah, bringing it back. Let's go. Perhaps we could skip ahead and just hit the highlights. A mustache. I planned a comprehensive <laughs> retrospective. Ah, and Retta and Adam Scott are here. Shake hands. Yep. We liked each other and get out of here. I'm all for that. It's our last day here. Retta was there on the pilot. You just didn't notice her because she was kind of dowdied up. Excuse me. Hi. Really? There's a swing in a yep. park near my house that's been broken for about three months. Is it possible to get that fixed? I know it's not the point, but I'm so curious about these super futuristic screens. Yeah, well, this was set in the future. This epi- this season right. was made in, I think, 2014 or 15. What was that, boo-boo? So they were imagining a future where, like, technology was better than it's been and where other things were better than it's been, unfortunately. Rangers, my name is Ronald Ulysses Swanson. Speak honestly. I Nick made that I knew it. Jinx. Of course he did. Oh, yeah. my God. End of speech. <laughs> and I think we need to stay in Pawnee forever. But when is this group mm. of people ever going to be all together again? Oh my god, that These literally makes me in cry. The same place at the same time. <laughs> It'll happen. And you haven't Someday. even seen the other seven it's seasons. No. But I'm wondering the same thing. Like, when are all of, when's everyone going to ever be together right again? <laughs> it feels like Yeah, yeah right now, especially. Hard at work worth doing. Alongside a team of people who we love. Work worth doing. That's a good one. So I thank those people who walked with me. Now, go find your team and get to work. Oh. So that was Parks and Rec. What'd you think? It's a perfect ending to a show you never watched. If you think that that's not what I'm doing for the rest of my Friday, you're wrong. <laughs> Let's start with the basics. What happened okay. in this episode? I just, I love the nonlinear timeline device that they used to be able to be in this space where everyone's saying goodbye because... Leslie and and her husband are moving to DC and and it was su- such a sweet thing you know every time she touched someone held their hand touched their arm like literally off a connection you would go into some random year and see what people were doing how they were living how their families were growing what jobs they were finding we got to see Ron Swanson in a canoe he's also <laughs> a national treasure that was uh that was so great so there were some new characters. A lot of relationships had changed. Were, mm-hmm. were you surprised by the, the different configurations of people this time around? I mean, no. I didn't think Anne and Andy were going to end up together. But uh, it's so cute to see him and Aubrey Plaza kind of get their weird on together. And God, I just love Adam Scott. I think he's so great. What a perfect person to bring in for Leslie and the game. I mean, come on. It was all just so awesome. So one of the big things, obviously, in the first episode, Leslie is a small town civil servant. She has this dream Mm. of building a park. Everyone tells her she can't do it. What are some of the things you see her achieve over the course of this finale? I mean, it's so wild to realize, and maybe not wild, but, you know, when you think about the determination of a person like that, someone who's dedicated, who refuses to give up, who is willing to kind of commit against the odds and, and also 
to not take no for an answer, it feels so fitting that you see her, you know, moving up these ranks. She's, you know, moved up to Washington and has this whole big political life and and service-based life and then becomes the governor of Indiana. And it was in her dream journal. Of course it was. She's perfect. Um, It's just great. It's so great. Now, the big adjustment, and it really started in the second season of the show, is they never wrote Leslie differently, but the show started to write how other people reacted to her differently. So if you watch that first episode, Mm. Tom and April are making fun of her. They're laughing at her behind her back, looking at those photos. Brent Anowitz is sort of mistrustful. Right. With the second season, you'll see that suddenly everyone is now in awe of Leslie instead of making fun of her. So they take the same qualities and they turn them into an admirable thing instead of like a delusional thing. I think that it's smart and I think it's exactly the thing to do. It's about the perspective shift. And your hero's always been a hero, but people have to sometimes recognize what heroism looks like. They have to realize that the way that we have often been trained to kind of look down on vulnerability, you know, it's the Brene Brown school of life. It's the wake up call that vulnerability requires the greatest courage. And so for Leslie to be the woman that she is, it's almost like everyone around her has to wake up. And by the end, everyone adores her and everyone has sort of lived out their dreams in part through knowing her. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised, though, by the scale of it? Like, again, we've gone from trying to fill in a pit and build a park to her being (laughs) the governor. There's an implication when they go to Gary's funeral that one of either Leslie or Ben is now the president of the United States because they've got a Secret Service detail. Did that surprise you, the, the change in the scale there? No, no, because I'm I have a little bit of Leslie Nope in me. I'm an optimist. And that feels right. The person who cares the most and believes in it for real absolutely should climb the ranks and be the leader. I love it. Were you disappointed or surprised that Brent Anowitz was no longer a part of this? I mean, not really surprised. I'm very curious where he goes. You know, what is his story? But yeah, the the guy who I guess you could say didn't really value her in the way that he should. It doesn't surprise me. He doesn't stick around. I won't spoil it for you because I'm glad you're going to watch it, but I will say he leaves around the time that Adam Scott and Rob Lowe show up. Okay, cool. The guy who comes to them in the finale and asks them to fix the swing is the bum she chases out of the slide in the pilots. The same actor, John Daly. Oh my God. No, I, you know, it's funny because I recognized him obviously in the finale, but I didn't know it was him in the slide. That's so genius. It's a nice little touch for anyone who is superhumanly aware, I guess, like Leslie Nope might be. I love when shows give us little Easter eggs like that. That's so cool. And how did you feel about the fact that suddenly, like, Leslie is chummy with the Bidens? Uh, Love it. I love love the size and scale of her life. And, you know, I cried. So there's that. I remember when (laughs) they have the moment in, I guess, 2025 or whenever it was, when Ben arranges for the reunion of everyone in the park's office, Mm. and he said, like, you didn't know when we would all be together again. You really missed it up at that. No, like, very deeply. (laughs) You even saying it, it's happening again. I'm really, woo. I'm just in, I'm in all, I'm in all my feelings about that one. It's a show with a lot of feelings, which leads us to the next thing, which is I'm going to ask you now some multiple choice questions about okay. things that happened in between the pilot and the finale to oh see God. if you can see if you can guess some of the stuff you missed. All right. You ready? Okay. 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 The show became known over the years for having characters get married on the spur of the moment. Which couple was the first to throw a wedding on less than a day's notice? Was it Leslie and Ben? 
Chris and Anne or Andy and April? I weirdly feel like it's Andy and April. All right, let's find out. We have a clip for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here today to marry Andrew Maxwell Dwyer and April Roberta Ludwig. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh my God, he's wearing a jersey. Oh my wearing God. a Reggie Wayne jersey. Uh, this show gives me feelings. I, I cannot oh, yeah. deny that. All right, next question. Leslie's political career begins with a run for Pawnee City Council against a wealthy candidate played by which very special guest star? A, hmm. Paul Rudd, B, Kate Blanchett, or C, Chris Hemsworth? Is it Paul Rudd? Let's find out. Ladies and gentlemen, the next city councilor for the great city of Pawnee, Bobby Newport. Hey, Bobby. Hey, thanks, guy. God, yes. You are two hey, for two. Thank you. I'm Bobby Newport. I don't know why they call it a campaign, because up until now it's been a camp pleasure. <laughs> wow, wow, really went there with that one, huh? Oh yeah, no, he's he's not a smart person. All right, next question. Much of Ron Swanson's personality is defined by his love of unhealthy foods. Which of these is his favorite food? A. Bacon. B. Shrimp. Or C. Burritos. Oh God, I feel like it's bacon. All right, let's see the clip. Maybe it's a burrito. Oh, I'm scared. Just give me all the bacon and eggs you have. Yes! Wait, God! Wait. I worry what you just heard. I'm was. telling you. Give me a lot of This bacon show and, eggs. and I, I said are in a relationship give already. Yeah, this is the show you're destined to watch. Yeah. You understand. <laughs> this, the slow shake of the fist <laughs> just then is great. All right, let's see if you can go four for four. I'm in awe. Okay, um, okay, okay. I told you, I love TV. I love it. Okay. Th Woo. This is good. Okay. In what's widely held as the show's funniest episode, Flu Season, what order does Rob Lowe's character give himself? A, start sweating. B, quit crying. C, stop pooping. Or D, get pumping. It's either quit crying or get pumping. And I just, I can feel, both of those feel right. Is it, oh God, I don't know if it's B or D. I'm really, I'm so torn. Gotta pick one. Uh, read them to me one more time. Okay. A, start sweating. B, quit <laughs> crying. C, stop pooping. D, get pumping. Oh, oh, this is hard. Let's go D. D, get pumping. Let's find out. Okay. Oh God. Why am I so nervous? Wait, you might want to check that drawer. Stop. Stop pooping. You did wow. not go four for four, I'm sorry to say. All right. All right. I'll take three out of four. It's okay. Uh, those may be the two best words of Rob Lowe's career, and he has had a very impressive career. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I would have had the courage to do that, even as a joke on camera, but I guess it's a sign of his delicious commitment to his craft. Sophia did very well for herself with those trivia questions, but we like to give you and the audience a chance to play too. Over the run of Parks and Rec, Andy assumes several famous aliases, including FBI agent Burt Macklin and children's entertainer Johnny Karate. But what nickname did April occasionally use? Was it A, Rhonda Biloxi, B, Dr. Dina Mango, or C, Janet Snakehole? Think you know the answer? Let's find out if you're right with help from my Google Assistant. Hey Google, on Parks and Recreation, what was April's nickname? Janet Snakehole and others. There you have it, Janet Snakehole. And now, back to our show. 
Okay, Sophia, was this a good way to experience the series, to your mind? Yeah, the thing is, I think because Parks and Rec was so present in cultural conversation, you know, there's things that you're aware of. Like, I knew Rob Lowe was on the show. I didn't know who he played, but, like, if it was some obscure thing you'd never heard of, um, it might be a little bit weirder, but it just makes me really excited to watch it. And I think because the finale was done in the way that they did it because of the way it jumped around because it showed you how they were ending together but also where they were going it really makes me want to go back and see how they got there like I don't feel like anything was spoiled yeah I mean you know the ending but there's a lot of big stuff along the way I mean this is basically like an, you've seen an epilogue for the show itself but you yeah. haven't seen the show yeah well I'm gonna I'm glad I've, a number of people I've done this with have sort of been beating themselves up at the end saying like they wish they hadn't done it and, you know, sort of really? now regretting. Yeah. Oh, I like it. This is good. So this is a happy one. Yeah, no, this is a very happy one. And I think also, I don't know the professions of the people who maybe regret peeking into the future on television shows they want to watch. But for me as a person who makes TV and who loves story, I'm just so juiced on the storytelling of it. And to have something feel so emotional when you don't have seven seasons of attachment is such an indicator to me that it's perfect. I don't want to spoil anything about the journey you're about to go on, but I will tell you one thing to keep track of, which is Leslie's hair. Okay. In the pilot, she's got really almost like badly processed, borderline white hair. This yeah. was intentional. Amy Poehler's plan was she wanted Leslie to start off looking like she kind of didn't know how to present herself. Looking yeah. a little bit clumsy. And by the end, she has really great hair. And just follow her hair over the course of the series and you will see the evolution of Leslie Nope as a person. I love that. All right. So you, at the beginning of, of this conversation, said um, you thought, like, maybe the show might end with the park actually being built. We obviously went way beyond that. Way beyond. Do you prefer this version or the version that you had in your head an hour ago? No, I absolutely prefer and love this version. Sophia, I'm so glad to have you on it. I'm so glad you like the show because it's always been one of my favorites. So good. Thank you so much, Alan. This was really fun. Everyone out there in the audience, thank you so much for tuning in to Rolling Stone and OBB Sounds Too Long Didn't Watch, presented by Google Assistant. <laughs> I'm Alan Seppenwall. Until next time, remember, stop pooping. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the foolishness you just heard, We'd like to ask you to do the same things that all podcasts ask you for. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, and please spread the word to anyone else you know who might enjoy it too. This has been OBB Sound and Rolling Stones Too Long Didn't Watch, brought to you by Google Assistant and hosted by me, Alan Seppenwall. Executive produced by Michael D. Ratner, Scott Ratner, Elias Tanner, and Alyssa Walker of OBB Sound, a division of OBB Media, and Gus Winner of Rolling Stone, Co-executive produced by Arlen Kanopaki and Grace Delia of OBB Sound and Bridget Chelsea and Maria Fontora of Rolling Stone. The production was engineered by Evan Menick and Daniel Wanacott. Edited, mixed, and mastered by Michael Capuano. Sound designed by Michael Capuano. Original music by Daniel Wanacott. Production assistants were Jennifer Spots and Raquel Dominguez.